Hey, if you've got your Bibles, and you all should, if you don't have a Bible, there's a stack in the back. You can go grab one. Open up to Mark chapter 5. That's where we're going to be diving in this morning. Mark chapter 5. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, that is in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, and then Mark, the fifth chapter of Mark. And uh, while you turn there, i got a question that I want to start with. And here's my question. Have you ever been bugged by somebody? Maybe it was frustrated Maybe just annoyed, or maybe it was hurt, but have you ever been bugged by somebody to the point where it's stuck with you for a long time? Can I just see a raise of hands? Who's been bothered by somebody? Anybody? I should see every single hand, right? Here's the reality is people are difficult, right? People, we get hurt by people, we get frustrated, we get annoyed. Um, Something that we just can't seem to drop. I want to tell you guys a story. Um, When I was young, one of my very best friends, his name was Aaron, and uh, I'm going to tell you some, some problems that Aaron and I had in the early years of our friendship. But just before I get into all the problems and you think that we have a really screwed up friendship, we ended up resolving everything. I was the best man in Aaron's wedding. So things have been taken care of. But still, there were some, there were some rocky roads in the beginning of our friendship. So Aaron was one of those friends, I'm sure you guys have one, who just everything he did bugged me. Anybody got a friend like that? Like everything they do just irks you like drove the living daylights out of me this was my buddy Aaron so and there were a few things that Aaron did that to a young Josh were like absolutely unforgivable offenses like totally crossed the line things and when I tell you them you're gonna be like seriously like that's what you were so hung up okay but for a young Josh these were big deals for me so here's the first the first one that comes to mind when I think about my struggles with my buddy Aaron was I was probably eight or nine years old having a birthday party. My birthday's in May, and so every year I would have a swim party. And Aaron was one of those friends. He couldn't just show up and just have fun with everybody else. There always had to be something extra. So me and all my buddies, we're all swimming. We're having a great time in the pool. And out of nowhere, Aaron decided that as the biggest one of the friend group, Aaron was bigger, taller, stronger than all of us. He decided he was going to get out of the pool, take every single ball we had in the backyard, and just absolutely pelt Every single one of my, like, as hard as he could throw the ball, just chucked the ball. And, and all of my friends were like, dude, what is going on, Josh? Like, my birthday party was ruined. Like, from that moment, the, the rest of the day was so bad. I was so worked up. I was so frustrated. All I remember doing, I was so overwhelmed. I ran to my parents' room, crawled under their bed, and I just cried because I was like, Aaron ruined my birthday party, right? The, the worst thing that a friend could do was ruin a birthday party. But there was even worse that Aaron did. Let me tell you this. A few years later... Aaron came over to my house, and how many of you guys have a friend who, when you go over to the house, they just don't have snacks? Anybody got a friend like that? Like, they got, like, pita chips and raisins and celery. You know what I'm saying? You guys got friends like that? There's just nothing, like, you go to their house, and you have, you're like, Mom, I need to eat before I go over, because there's nothing good to eat at Aaron's house, right? So, this time, Aaron came to my house. In my house, we pretty commonly had snacks, but the one thing that we didn't often have was good cereal, Okay? My mom didn't often buy good cereal. How many cereal fans we got? Anyone like cereal? That's like, in my mind, cereal is the best snack, breakfast meal. Like, I could eat cereal all day long. Now, my favorite cereal, I have some close seconds, but my all-time favorite cereal is Lucky Charms. Anyone with me? Let's go. Come on. Lucky Charms. All right, I got some close, like, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is a close second. I'm a big fan of Raisin Bran, right? Come at me later for that. Um, Captain Crunch, big fan. But Lucky Charms is my all-time favorite, all right? And after chapel, you can come argue that one with me all day, but I will never move off of that. Lucky Charms is my favorite. So one of the days, uh, one day this year, my mom had decided she was going to go get me a nice big box of Lucky Charms, my favorite cereal. So that night, 
I grubbed down on a couple bowls of it, enjoyed myself, and the next day my buddy Aaron came over, and he came over obviously asking for a snack because at his house they didn't have anything. And so me, me being a good friend was like, hey man, yeah, you, you want some cereal? Like, so Aaron goes for the Lucky Charms. Now I let Aaron eat, I don't have to sit and watch him while he eats, right? So I go off, I do something else, maybe I'm getting ready to play whatever game we were going to play. I come back only to find out that my entire box of Lucky Charms was gone. The whole thing, gone. And I'm not talking, like, there wasn't, like, a bowl left. Like, I'm talking there was, like, a hefty amount of Lucky Charms left in this box, and I came back, and it was gone. And at that point, I was like, you should just go home, because you and I are not friends anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was that kind of offense for me that it was just absolutely unforgivable. Looking back now, Aaron and I laugh about stories like this. Um, Aaron and I kind of had some issues in our friendship that, um, like, kind of flowed into high school, and... We ended up getting things worked out, but we can look back on these silly stories and laugh. But I start with those stories because I struggled to forgive Aaron for those things for a long time. Like, as dumb as they were, ruining a birthday party, eating my lucky charms, like, those were things that I held on to for a long time. And I think that many of us have things in our lives, offenses, hurts, wounds, insecurities, we have things that we hang on to things that we're enslaved by, things that we don't want to give up. And as we talk this weekend about living as fully surrendered, fully committed followers of Jesus, who have surrendered 100% of our lives to the Father, I can't help but think that there are some specific things in our lives that Christ wants us to surrender to Him. And one of those things that I want to talk to you guys about this morning is our hurts. I think that as followers of Jesus, one of the best things that we can surrender to God is our hurts. Now, when we talk about hurts, I want to note, and we're talking more, than, we're talking about more than just like physical hurts, okay? Like breaking your ankle, breaking your leg. Like we're not talking about, we're talking about hurts. We're talking about anything like a wound from a friend, an insecurity that you have, something that's happened in your past that you can't seem to get over. These are the kinds of things, wounds, insecurities, pains, and shame. Those are all today just going to be wrapped up into the word hurts. Friends, and hurts and hangups are things that I believe can show up in all different areas of our lives. And what happens is as people, we want others to believe that we've got things all figured out, don't we? Like just, it's just kind of our, our human nature. We don't want to let people into what's actually going on in our lives. And oftentimes what happens is instead of addressing the hurts that we have, we just want to sweep them under the rug. Because if we can ignore them, and if we don't have to address them, life is easier. We can just try to move on. But can I tell you guys something? Is when we try to sweep things under the rug, what often happens is those things that we allow to live in the dark, they begin to grow, they begin to fester, and sweeping them under the rug and ignoring them and never addressing them doesn't ever actually solve the problem. Those things are always there in the back of our mind. They're always there influencing us in every decision that we make. And one of the tactics that our enemy, that Satan loves to use against the children of God, is to convince us that we don't need to address the hurts in our lives. That we shouldn't bring those things to life. That we shouldn't let people know about what is going on in our lives. And he loves to isolate us and make us think that we're all alone. And that we shouldn't tell people about what we're going through. Friends, he wants us to stay silent. Because when we have an issue with somebody or we've been hurt by somebody, if we don't address it, it will fester and it will grow. And what begins to happen is when we don't talk about things, we begin to believe that we're alone, 
begin to feel isolated in those things. And they begin to grow to the point where we can no longer see Jesus clearly for who he is because of these unaddressed hurts in our lives. And what happens is as our eyes begin to be taken off of Jesus, we begin to be robbed of the opportunity to live the life that we were called to live. Now there's two stories that I want to dive into this morning with you. The first is of a woman who suffered for a long time until a moment with Jesus changes everything for her. And the second story is a conversation that Jesus has with one of his disciples about forgiveness. So the first one that I want to talk about tonight is in Mark chapter, this morning is in Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 25 through 34. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and read along with me. Um, If not, just go ahead and listen as I read God's word over us. This is what it says, Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. It says, A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she actually became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his robe. For she said to herself, If I can just touch his robes, I will be made well. Verse 29 says, instantly her blood flow ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out for him. So he turned in the crowd and he said, who touched my robes? The disciples looked at him and said, you see a crowd pressing against you, yet you still say, who touched me? So Jesus was looking around to see who had done this, and then he saw the woman. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the entire truth. And Jesus responds in verse 34 and says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace and be free. Now I want to read through and work through this passage together because I think that many of us find ourselves in a similar situation to the woman in the story. Suffering from something unknown that people don't know about, that she doesn't want to talk to people about for 12 years going through something that has affected her life in more ways than one. Not only did her, her condition make her life difficult on a practical level, but on a relational level as well. See, because of this woman's condition, as a culture, in a culture, she would have been seen as unclean. And people didn't interact with others who were seen as unclean. And so this woman would have been completely isolated. The fact that in this story we read of her walking through a crowd to find Jesus was unheard of. An unclean person would have been on the outskirts of town, living by themselves, not around other people. But this woman, knowing who Jesus was, has to get to him. And so she pushes her way through a crowd. But because this woman was unclean, people would have avoided her, kept their distance, and done what they could to stay away because nobody wanted to be associated with a person who was unclean, who had an ailment like that. And can I ask, man, how many of us feel similar to this woman? There is something going on in our lives that we believe that if people were to find out about it, they would view us as broken, damaged, unclean, unworthy of attention or friendship or relationship. I would venture to guess that there are many of us sitting in this room today who feel very similar to the woman in the story. And what we read about is that this woman, she tried to take care of the issue on her own. Right, We read that she went to every doctor that she could afford, every healer that she could see, and all that happened was she spent all of her money and actually ended up getting worse. Friends, as many of us, I believe, sitting in this room today feel similar to the woman. Lonely and isolated because of the things that we're struggling with that nobody knows about. Could the reason that nobody knows 
what you're going through? Could it be because we're afraid that if they find out, they won't want to be friends with us anymore? Or that we'll be judged? Or you name it. And as I read the story, the word that I see written all over this story is the word surrender. There are a lot of things that I read in this word that the woman had to surrender to get to the point where we find her at the end of the story. And I want to take a moment together to look at how this often appears in our own lives. See, the first thing that I believe the woman had to surrender was the idea that she could get well on her own. That's the first thing that she had to get over. We read that at the beginning of the text when it says that she had seen every doctor that she could afford to go to. Every logical explanation, every logical cure or step that she could see that would make her well from what she was going through, she went for it. She went for it. And how many of us try to address our problems, our hurts, our situations in the same way? Instead of going to the God who we know is all-powerful and is almighty and can heal all things, we say, man, I think I know what can make me better. Whether it's ignoring it or hiding it or trying to medicate with something, a relationship, a substance, a, a you name it. How many of us operate this very same way, just like the woman who for years and years and years have been trying to heal ourselves? trying to find something that can make us well, only to find out that time after time after time, the result is we end up getting worse. The pain runs deeper. The hurts run deeper. And they only continue to grow. Friends, and I don't know why we do this. And I say we because I'm including myself in this. I do this all the time. When I find something in my life, when I become aware, my eyes are opened to a hurt or a wound that I have in my life, and I try to fix it. I, I can look back on like 15 years of my life and look that my track record is pretty poor. Like if I were to look at every single attempt that I've ever made to make myself well, it's been failure after failure after failure, right? Maybe for a couple days it feels better, or a couple minutes, or an hour, or, or whatever, but I always come back to this place of feeling like there is something more and I can't get there by myself. And so I don't know if it's because we're prideful or because we're forgetful or maybe we're just dumb. I'm kind of dumb, okay? And this is, I think that I, for some reason I have so much faith in myself that I think I can do it and I just continually let myself down time and time and time again. Friends, and at some point we have to come to a place of realization like the woman in the story that the only healing we can find in this life is not found in ourselves, but it's found in the person of Jesus. Let me think, I, how many times do you have to fail and let yourself down to realize that you can't do it on your own? How many times, like, think about that number for yourselves. Because some of us continue to operate this way. We tried last week, it failed. We tried yesterday, it failed. Today, we're going to... How many times do we have to try and try and try again to realize that on our own, we don't have the power to find healing. We don't have the power to find restoration. That power only resides in the person of Jesus. The second thing that I believe this woman had to surrender was her fear of what others might think. Now, this is a big one, and I think that this might be the most applicable one to every single one of us in the room. If I could just be honest about myself, 
One of the things that I have had to work through and I've been working through for years and years and years is I am so concerned with what other people think about me. That has been my, probably one of my largest struggles in life is I have been so concerned with what other people think about me. And I, and I can kind of track it back to when I was young. I told you guys yesterday, I grew up as a pastor's kid and, and being the son of a pastor in the church, there was all kinds of expectations that were placed on my life. And that's not something that's exclusively for kids of pastors. I think that every single one of us feel that, don't we? People have expectations that, that they think we should live up to and we don't know how to reconcile those things or what to do with them. And I can see from a young age that I wrestled with this. Everything I did was with what other people would think about me in my mind. So the way I dressed was because it's how I thought people would see me. What would people think about how I, what I'm wearing? The way I acted was so that other people would accept me, right? The things that I chose to talk about was based on if I thought that I would be accepted or not accepted. Everything I did was really rooted in this fear of, man, what do other people think about me? And we see the same thing in the story with this woman. As an unclean person in society, she really would have been banished and pushed aside to the outskirts of town. And I think many of us are afraid that if we were to open up to talk about the things that are actually happening behind the curtain in our lives, that we would be viewed just like the woman in this story. Unclean, unworthy, unrighteous. And friends, can I just tell you that when our lives are ruled by the fear of what others think, we miss out on the opportunity to know the God of the universe and the life that he created for us to live. We miss out on the freedom that we were created to find and know in the person of Jesus. And just like the woman in the story, friends, at some point we have to come to the realization and to the knowledge that in order to find healing from the things that are going on in our lives, in order to live as fully surrendered followers of Jesus, at some point our desperation to be made well has to outweigh our fear of what others think. Like at some point you have to decide in your heart and nobody else can make this decision for you that you want to know Jesus so much that you want to experience the life that he's created you to live so much that you want to feel the love that he has for you so much that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you. You're going to chase after that regardless and that's what we see happen to the woman in the story. As an unclean person, she would have never gone into crowds of people for fear of embarrassment and rejection. But she got to the point where she said, I have no other choice, but I've heard about this Jesus guy who can make me well. And it says that she pushed her way through the crowd for the idea, the thought that if she could just touch the hem of his robe, she'd be made well. And what do we see happen? That in a moment, just a touch, she was healed. Friends, and that same thing is made available to each and every one of us today. But the thing that I believe holds each, so many of us back is our fear of what others think. At our high school group back at our church, we just did a series um, called Made Well. And, and the idea came from the passage um, where Jesus heals a man at the pool of Bethesda. And this man has an ailment. He's been um, laying by this pool for 38 years, I believe the scriptures say. And Jesus walks up to this man and he says, do you want to be made well? 
asked a simple question. Do you want to be made well? And what we read in the Scriptures is that the man responds to Jesus and never actually answers the question. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. He just goes on to say, man, I've been here for so long and every time the angel comes and stirs the water, people beat me to the water and so I can't be made well. And Jesus simply asks him a question. Do you want to be made well? What I shared with our high school students at our church was this. How often do we hear that offer from Jesus? Do you want to be made well? How often do we find ourselves aware of the power that rests in the God of creation? We hear that question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? Yet our response is, yeah, but here's why I can't. Jesus, if you only knew what people would think about me, if that thing came to light, I could never do it. I could never do it. This is my story. This is my story. Um, when I was in college, I went through a pretty, pretty severe battle with depression. And I don't know, I'm sure that many of you statistics would say that probably close to 20 people in this room tonight, or this morning, I keep saying tonight, close to 20 people in here today probably suffer from some kind of mental illness, whether it's anxiety, depression, and eating disorder, you name it. The statistics say that there is some... This is something that people we know struggle with. It's running rampant in our world today. And for months and months and months and months, I suffered in silence and in darkness and in isolation because I was so afraid to talk about what was going on. I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't talk to people about what I was actually feeling inside. And there came a moment when I said, dude, I cannot do this by myself any longer. I can't do this. And so I had to bring it to light. And I had to talk to somebody about it. And I can tell you guys this, that the moment that I chose to speak about it, the moment that the words left my mouth, man, I am not okay, the healing process began. Friends, because when light touches darkness, darkness can no longer exist. It's not possible. The moment that light touches it, the darkness can no longer be present. The, the two of them cannot coexist. And the same is true in our lives. When we allow things to live in darkness, if they're never brought to the light, they'll continue to grow, they'll continue to fester. But the moment that we allow Jesus into those things, light will begin to invade the darkness. The healing process will begin. Friends, but we have to talk about it. I believed this lie for so long that I couldn't talk about what I was going through. And so about a year ago, I was sitting in a life group with some of my very best friends, my buddy Aaron, some of my best friends. All the groomsmen in my wedding are a part of this life group that we have every week. And, and in just a, a passing conversation, I made mention of, man, when I was in college, like, yeah, back when I was you know, going through depression, uh, I almost failed out. Of, and my buddy just cut me off. He was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, man. I was going through this, and he was like, Josh, why didn't you tell us? Why, why didn't you feel like you could talk to us? And he was kind of frustrated, I could tell. He was a little bit like, dude, we're best, like we tell each other everything. Everything we've ever experienced and gone through, we, it's been on the table, but for some reason you felt like you couldn't talk about this. And I had a moment of realization where I just said, dude, I was so embarrassed to talk about what was going on in my heart. Because Josh, man, I had built my life around this. I'm go with the flow. I'm, everything is good, right? I'm super easy going. Life is good. I'm a cool cat. Like, 
And the thought of letting people know that I'm broken, that I'm struggling, that I'm going through something, haunted me. Because of that fear, I walked in darkness and isolation all by myself. Friends, the reason that Christ gave us the church, the people that you are sitting with today, is a gift from God. It's not an accident that you're here with these people. This is a gift, an intentional gift from God so that we can walk with one another, so that we can bear one another's burdens. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Friends, this passage is talking about sin, but I believe that it's also talking about everything that's going on in our lives. The things that we don't want people to know about, talk about them, confess those things to one another, pray for each other so that what? So that you can be healed. You know what it doesn't say? Continue to keep it to yourself so that you'll be healed. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say hide it from other people so that you can keep up your perfect image and then you'll be healed. It doesn't say that. It says confess it. Talk about it. Bring it to light and then you will be healed. Friends, some of those hurts in our lives, those wounds, those pains, those insecurities, I believe Jesus wants to free you from those things today. This weekend, you're in a perfect place to experience the power of Jesus work in your life. You simply have to be willing to surrender those things and say, Jesus, I trust you with that. There's one more kind of hurt that I want to talk to you guys about this morning. And in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22, uh, the disciple Peter goes to Jesus and he asks him a question. He says this, Lord, how many times could I forgive a brother's sin against me? Or how many times could a brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus goes on and he says this, I tell you, not as many as seven, but as 70 times. And then he goes into this parable about an unforgiving slave and, and he gives this example. Friends, one of the hurts in our lives, and I think back on that story I was telling you guys about my friend Aaron. Aaron and I had a lot of wounds from each other. And for years and years and years, there was a ton of unforgiveness in both of our hearts towards one another. I think this is something that many of us experience. Whether it's with a friend or an adult who's hurt you or somebody who's caused you pain or a wound in your life. We don't like to forgive people. I think that we have this idea in our heads that if we forgive people, it's like giving them a free pass to continue behaving that way, right? To continue treating us that way or, or whatever the reason is. It's one of the things that I believe hinders us from surrendering every part of us to the Lord is a sense and a spirit of unforgiveness. And can I just tell you this? Friends, that when we choose to not forgive others, the only person affected by it is us as we become slaves to bitterness, slaves to envy, and slaves to frustration. The only people affected by our unforgiveness is us. When somebody hurts us and we choose to not forgive them, we're not like sticking it to the man like, ha sucker, I'm not going to forgive Like. It doesn't do anything to them. The only people that are hurt by that is ourselves. And this is why when Jesus tells Peter, man, as many as 70 times seven, the idea here is as you go, as you're hurt, man, forgive. As people wound you, forgive. Yesterday I shared with you guys that scripture that our lives are not our own. I think one of the biggest ideas in our lives that causes a sense of unforgiveness is we have this idea that we deserve and are entitled to be treated a certain way, right? You shouldn't wrong me. You shouldn't talk to me that way, and, right? And people should be respectful. I understand that. 
But if we were to think for a second about Jesus' life, do you think Jesus was treated well all the time? Abandoned? Forsaken? Ditched by his friends? Right? Blasphemed against? Tortured? Spit on? Like, the God of the universe came down into this world and was treated so poorly, yet chose to forgive time and time and time again. And even in his last moments hanging on the cross, what were the words that he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Friends, the only people that are hurt by our spirits of unforgiveness is ourselves. So my challenge to you guys today as we go into so what time and just throughout the rest of this weekend is if you have hurts in your life, whatever they are, it's a wound from a friend or a parent or an adult or it's an insecurity or something that's happened in your past that you don't want to talk about, can I challenge you and encourage you and offer those things to the Lord today? One of the best ways that you can do that is in so what time, just talk about them. Maybe for the very first time in your life, You just want to say, man, I have been going through this and I've been struggling with this by myself and I can't do it alone anymore. Your cabin, your leaders, your counselors, your pastors, they're here for you. They want to walk with you. Friends, and as we seek to be fully surrendered followers of Jesus, we've got to be willing to give him our hurts. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. Father, and we're thankful this morning for the example that you set for us. And on what does it look like to live as an open book? To live forgiving people who hurt us? God, thank you for the fact that you have given us a support system, a built-in family who knows us, who loves us, and who wants to bear our burdens with us. God, thank you for your church and the gift that it is to each and every one of us. Father, this morning I pray against any spirit of embarrassment or any spirit of feeling like we can't open up about what's going on. God, but I pray that you would give us confidence and boldness, Jesus, that if we simply choose to bring things to light, God, that you will begin to work. God, that when light touches darkness, it can no longer exist. And so, God, I pray that we would believe that that's true this morning and that this weekend, every student in here would walk away feeling more free because of the the surrender that they chose to do this weekend. Father, we give you the rest of today. We can't wait for chapel tonight to see what you have for us. And it's in your name. Amen.